this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of the Jay Allen Show. Hopefully everything is good and grand inside of your neck of the woods. Thank you for all of those who came out last week and hung out at ACFS Safety Day 2021. Even if you weren't there in person, but you were able to take a listen to what was going on on safetyfm.com. We did broadcast throughout the day and we did have some of those people who were there talk on the radio station was quite fantastic going through the whole thing of course talking about what was going on at the first event that i have been to in person in quite some time so it was exciting going through that whole process and so on don't worry we'll probably end up releasing some of those episodes throughout the next few weeks for you to take a listen to what you might have missed if you did not listen to the radio station or we're not at the event itself anyways let me take away from the conversation that i have going on today because i think you're really going to like it i get to have a conversation with the owner and the founder of true safety services now the funny part is is that apollonia rockwell is someone who i got to meet over the last few weeks and it was interesting sitting down having a conversation with her and going through how she started her career to get to where she's at now now i want you to know her story starts off much different than most people and I think you're going to enjoy that aspect of it. Apollonia and I get into all kinds of different things during this conversation. Take a listen now on The Jay Allen Show and let me know what you think. Safety FM. Changing safety cultures. One, one broadcast and one podcast at a time. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I'm so excited to have you on. I have to tell you, I've been watching what you've been doing online, and I was like, I have to get you on. I, I reached out, and I was like, let's see how it goes. You're interviewing a little bit of everyone as of late. Um, so I don't know. I always like to start off with the simplest question. At least I think it's the simplest, but then it's also the most difficult question. Yeah, yeah. Why did you get involved into safety? I mean, how did it start? Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's a great question. I, um, well, I guess I'll go back. So when I was just to paint you a story, when I was uh, real little in the third grade, my dad worked in the oil and gas industry. And, uh, um, so he would be like my hero. He was the guy that would come in. He, he worked a ton. So when he was around, it was amazing. And so he would come into my school. I'll, I'll never forget and do, um, you know, host and chaperone school, little vacations, field vacations. And he would always come in with the mullet and the cutoff t-shirt and the boots inside or the, the jeans tucked inside the boots, like real oil field, just like a, a super a rock star. And he had a really close friend, his best friend named Marty. And one day my dad came home and told me that Marty died on the job. And at that time, Marty's kid was also in the third grade with me. And we grew up in Platteville, Colorado. And, you know, in the, I, I didn't understand what it meant. I'd spent so much time with Marty, at this, with this kid that I went to school with. And I thought, how do, you, how do you go to work and you don't come home? And that was my first funeral. And it was open casket. And I'll never forget the emotions in that room to see Amador, his child, who's also in the third grade, the wife, the kids. And it was not at that time where I was like, I'm going to be in safety. That was not the story. But 
what I did know and what did land on me as a little girl was my dad can go to work and not come home. And that just, he meant so much to me. So that stuck with me. And so I was very curious about his occupation. What is the oil and gas industry? What's construction? And I just was very curious as to why everyone hated safety. I'm like, if people, you're, you're telling me all these buddies of yours are losing fingers or losing their lives. Like, how is this so, how is this possible? And so I was very curious. And when I graduated high school and I was in college, I did, I was taking my general education to make a long story short. And I decided to work for an oil and gas company. We had oil and gas construction in a trucking division. And I worked as safety there. And then simultaneously was going to college online and got my bachelor's in occupational health and safety. And yeah. But hold on, hold on. You, ju- you jumped into this. Hold on, because <laughs> I, I, I'm slightly confused here. <laughs> yeah. So you, at third grade, you're already saying you, you're interested in safety, but you're, this is not the dive you want to take at the moment. So yeah. you go in for general. So at what point do you make the decision, hey, I want to go ahead and go into safety side because you're already talking that you're that you're working for the company and i apologize for interrupting but i just want to have a better understanding so when does the mindset go of okay click this is what i want to do because there's not a lot of people that go out there and say oh yeah safety's the thing i want to go into absolutely (laughs) no you make you point out a really good point i'm i i applied i was like i want to work in in this industry i want to work in oil and gas and that's when i got my this first job here and they said you can do safety and I said, I'll never forget. My boss was this rough, tough, charismatic, like hands like bricks. Like this boss was crazy. He was awesome. And I said, well, what is safety about? And he was like, figure it the fuck out. Like, I'll never forget that. Like, I want you to do run our safety program. We have a gap. We have a, we have a, uh, you know, at that time, um, a pretty steep tier IR. And I didn't know what that meant though at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, so I'm going to school for my general. I'm in my first role as safety. And they had a consultant at that time that was doing spot checks. And so I learned from that consultant, what their current safety program looked like, what it was supposed to look like, what their gaps were. And then at the end, then two years into this company, and when it was time to select a focus in my education, I thought this would be a no-brainer to go ahead and get my bachelor's in occupational health and safety because this is everything I'm doing at work. And my, some of my class scenarios were like, what would you do if somebody's operating a backhoe and it falls into a trench? I'm like, I did this last week. This is what we're doing already is really what <laughs> it boils down. So when this boss tells you to figure it out, ballpark, how old are you at this time? I was 20. So is there an intimidation factor at the moment where he turns around and he's telling you this? I mean, it's kind of like you just figure it out. I mean, and if you're new into it, how does, what kind of pressure are you feeling? I went into my car, I went into my Jetta and it's a shop, you know, it's a shop. There's no pavement. I go out um, probably in my heels and I go into clicking into the dirt road, into my car. And I call my mom, maybe I was 19 actually. And I call my mom and I'm like, I'm crying. And she's like, you need to buckle up. (laughs) You need to figure it out. And you go back in there and you show him why he hired you and don't make him regret it. 
And I was like, but mom, I'm not getting any guidance. There's no mentorship here. This is not a mentoring opportunity. He yells at me all the time. She's like, I don't care, figure it out. So what I've learned from this consultant <laughs> was maybe what how not to do safety because <laughs> <laughs> no wonder you're saying consultant and not giving names. I understand now. It makes a lot of sense. And you're yes. cringing, which people are not going to be able to see this. <laughs> I think it, 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 it's yes. interesting. So you so you go down this path. You do the, so. You start learning. You get information from the consultant. You decide to go down this path. Yeah. But as you're doing this, are you enjoying li- doing the life experience aspects? And then also at the same time learning, because there might be stuff, as you just referenced, that is, that's occurring, but you haven't even had, quote unquote, lessons for yet. Yeah. So how are you enjoying that as, as it's going through? Here's what I enjoyed. I like how you framed that up. I enjoyed, I was fascinated with safety. I was obsessed with finding out why do people hate, loathe safety? My dad, the owner, the welders, the drivers, the roustabout crews. There has to be a way. So I was literally obsessed with figuring that out. And I'm like, okay, so let's see what we're doing. And then I realized, okay, well, what we're doing is not working. We have somebody that comes in. Here's what I know. A consultant comes in. Everybody rather gouge their eyeballs out than be in the safety meeting. They're sleeping, they're texting, they'd rather be anywhere else. Somebody comes in who doesn't have any field experience. Somebody who comes in who has a super boring, boring PowerPoint that's outdated on the OSHA website. Oh, <laughs> so many people are going to hate you because you're saying all that. <laughs> I can't help it. This is good because I'm not a field employee, so I'll show you how I twist this is that. To somebody who comes in and, and doesn't, it's not so much that they didn't have field experience. It was that. But it was also that they just didn't know and they didn't care to know. Because they were they were spewing OSHA regulations. And, this, and I'm like, people hate the stereotypical safety person who comes in with an ego, who is a know-it-all. And they pretend to know what the boots on the ground are experiencing. That's not the case. And I was like, that's why there's this big disconnect. What I was obsessed with, how do I gap this disconnect between safety and the field? And I'm like, all right, I'm never going to get the experience. I'm never going to be a a trade expert in welding and driving and um, in roustabout and construction. And as much time as I spent in the welding shop, out in the field, out in all these crazy remote locations. I'm still not going to get that field experience, but here's what I can do. I can learn the stories of the field employees, of the field workers, of the team, and I can understand what do they care about most. Oh, safety's never had a conversation in this scenario. Safety's never had a conversation with one of these guys to see where, what is their life about? What, you know, what are they experience? What kind of hours? What kind of what kind of work type, what kind of um, environment are they experiencing? So that way there's a level of understanding. So that way the message can be framed a little bit different. Instead of preaching, it could be a conversation. 
And I wasn't perfect at it because I did model what I knew, which was come up with a compelling PowerPoint and do a great presentation. And I'll never forget my boss pulled me aside after one safety meeting and was like, you effing sound like an effing Valley girl. He's like, you know what you're going to do? You're going to record yourself and you're going to see how terrible you are on screen. And you're going well, like to a really nice guy. <laughs> but he's wow. One of the guys that I look up to and admire and respect most of the state. He's such an incredible human. Um, so he's like, you need to engage the team. And I was like, well, how do I do that? And he was like, listen, like, like, listen to them. When you're asking them, why don't you wear this certain face shield? Why don't you wear these glasses in the shop? Listen to what they tell you and then become a problem solver. And I was like, okay, yeah, instead of just doing mock OSHA audits where I'm, you know, completely disconnected and I'm writing up an audit and then the team's maybe blindsided with my findings. That doesn't do any, it doesn't do anyone any good because it's not their idea. The solutions that I came up with weren't their solutions. I didn't get input. I, I didn't get input. I didn't engage. And so what I slowly did was I realized, all right, my safety means, although I'm never going to have the field experience, but you know who the expert is, is they are. They're the expert. So what I can do when we're doing um, a confined space, let's say a confined space safety meeting, what I can do is group everybody up per division, or we can mix it up the next time. And we can I could give out discussion questions on who here has been through what confined spaces. What is our, you know, how do you run through the process? Or maybe I would put managers in each discussion pod so that there would be a leader there and they would be able to lead the conversation. I would pull the information out of them and it changed my life as a safety professional. But how do you figure before, before the boss, the boss man came around and told you this, how yeah. did you know? How were you aware that you had to listen and take what we'll call the human approach yeah. to interacting with the, with the people out in the field? Because a lot of people don't think of that. And, and I'm not picking on age here, but at a young age, you're really developing something that most people don't obtain until years later. Yeah. So what clicked in your brain that you said, this is the way to do this? I just, it, I'm telling you, Jay, just something dawned on me where I, I just knew that this game wasn't about who's the smartest person in the room, but the game was that we are all humans and humans have stories. And I could spend all the time that I wanted to in the shop, but I wasn't going to become the best welder. I wasn't going to be the best driver, the best construct, whatever it was. And, but if I pull those stories out of people and if we come up, if I have them come up with the solution with my guided expertise of what I'm learning, I didn't learn everything even through school. It was just really after hours of just being so obsessed with OSHA. And well, just- that's the thing too. You were obsessed with OSHA. We found yeah. some certificates that you have. Oh my goodness. I was like, what the hell was going on here? What's it's close to on? like, it's like 20. It's like 20 that you have. There's At least that we, that we could find. That's so funny. I was obsessed. There was this inner, there was this crazy passion that I bring to the, that I feel in my blood today. And, you know, honestly, I think that this passion 
started with like the love, like for my dad, like I, I love him and respected him, always wanted his time. I always wanted to be something important to him. And I was just, I just didn't understand how there could, again, be this gap with hating safety and, and, you know, how could I, I thought to myself, if I can convince my dad, who at that time was old school safety mindset, old school oil field, if I could get, he would be like my, my tester, like for a safety meeting or for something. If I could word it in a way where he approves or I could, you know, I could gauge that he's actually following along, then it's going to work with my guys. So did you ever get, did you ever get worried that because it was your dad and there's blood relationship that it might be slightly jaded where he might go, Oh, you're my daughter. So I'm appreciating it. No. Or, did you, or, or what he would just tell you regardless. He would tell me, no, you're right. No, he's actually the opposite. He would be, he loves argue. He's very argumentative. <laughs> very, he might listen to this. I don't know if this is a good thing. <laughs> he needs to listen. He's, he's a really fun guy, but like he's argumentative. He's stubborn. And at that time, like nothing was going to change his mind, you know, it was. And so I just thought if I could get him to, to like shift the needle to thinking a little bit different, then I know it's going to work at work. (laughs) Well, what I always call it is when you're trying to interact with your parents and trying to give them advice, I call it the powdered butt syndrome, where if they've powdered your butt, they're not going to listen to what you have to say for the most of the time. So it has to be really engaging, at least to be able to convince them. So you did something there. Totally. I was just. (laughs) on a mission to do things different and to figure out a way that this was going to, that I could make a say, I could develop a safety program where people were going to be bought in and engaged and, and lead without me because I realized quick that I can't be the leader of the safety program. I can't, I can drive it and I can guide it and I can enforce it. But I can't be the one that carries out this program on a day-to-day because I could do all the audits in the world, I realized, too. I learned that lesson. So many lessons. (laughs) I could do all the audits in the world, but it doesn't mean anything if the second I leave, everyone's like, screw that person. Well, I mean, but you you did this for about close to three years, and then you decided to do the, what we'll call the world of crazy. You decided, you decided to jump into consulting, which apparently you had a very bad example about previously. So why all of a sudden, once you realize that, okay, you can't do the day in and day out, but you want to help multiple people. When do you feel the courage? I mean, at what point do you get to where you say, okay, true safety services is my dream and this is what I'm going to do. So it actually wasn't, it's a great question. It wasn't a dream And I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't execute after, I didn't move forward until I had the courage. What actually happened was, the real story was, is um, a company, a small company out of North Dakota was working out east of where I live, where it's very remote areas. And uh, this gentleman, the owner of this North Dakota company called my boss and said, hey, we have a guy out here who just mangled both of his hands um, do you know of anybody or what can I do? Like, what am I supposed to do here? Like, we don't even know where the nearest hospital is. And I have this guy in my truck right now. And my boss said, yeah, call Apollonia. And so the guy, the owner calls me and he's like, 
he's, he's calling me frantic. I have, I have a guy in my truck right now. Both his hands are bleeding. None of us know what the severity is. I think he lost both his hands. Where do I go? So I guide him. I meet him at the hospital. We, we go through the whole, um, just the, that experience alone. I didn't start the initial investigation right then and there, but I'm, you know, I'm starting it. And I'm in the waiting room with this, with this gentleman who's not from here. He wasn't even from North Dakota, this employee and this grown man who doesn't have anybody that he loves or knows near him. And the nurse is like, all right, we're about to take your gloves off, but we don't know. We don't know what we're going to see here. Right. So I just need you to be prepared for your fingers to be missing. Okay. And this is going to be really painful. And to see the, 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 how do I explain him? He was scared, but I think he more so felt alone. Like I feel out of my element when I'm at a conference in Texas, I'm from Colorado. I feel different. Like I couldn't imagine how this gentleman was feeling. And long story short with that, we did the whole investigation. I went to rehab with him, um, did physical therapy, did the, all that filed the workers comp, did the whole deal. And that boss was like, then the boss of that company was like, Hey, I want to hire you. And I was like, no, I am so loyal to my boss. My boss is amazing. And this guy was like, well, we need a safety program. Like, obviously and I said, yeah, no shenanigans. You need a safety program. And so my boss actually said, if you want Apollonia, like, I know that there's something in you that like you, you are meant to serve a lot of different people and not just me. And like, I believe in you. And he said, if you want to, you, I will allow you to consult on the side. If you find me a, a safety, a full-time safety person to replace you, you know, you're going to hire this person. You're going to interview this person. And I'm always going to have you as my consultant. When you start your business out, Lonia, you're always going to serve as my business. And I was like, all right. So he just gave me the okay, the belief and the, he knew that in those three years when we turned their program around, we turned their culture around. No, it was not perfect. Um, But dang, did we make strides in a huge impact in those people's lives at that company. And I still have relationships with a lot of the the team members at that initial company. But so I was managing both companies and then I was just deciding to train every weekend. I did Safeland every Saturday and Sunday at an old high school that was, uh, it was just like a vacant building kind of that I rented out. It wasn't that vacant, but it was kind of a shady building. And I rented it out. (laughs) (laughs) So all my friends are partying and having a great time on the weekends. And, uh, I, so I people like, are asking, "What's wrong with you? You're renting you, the." What is <laughs> so wrong com- with you? And I'm like, I'm training. I'm <laughs> training safety classes on the weekends. My classes were, uh, you know, they're eight out. They were eight hour classes. So I just did it on the side, and then it just got. I just gained so many customers that I finally thought, "All right, I'm ready to hire my first employee, my first team member." So then I man, I consulted for that initial company for a really long time. Um, I do work for them a little bit now and then, but I'm just, I'm still great, great, great friends with the owner and his wife. So, so I'm, I'm going to have to jump back a little bit because you, you, you left us on a, on a very interesting part. I know you said the gentleman went to rehab. 
Yeah. What happened when the gloves came off? He was missing. He was missing not a complete amputation, but he lost the majority of three fingers, and um, it was a wild story. That morning, he fist fought another team member in the, in the morning of I'm writing this investigation and I was like okay so you fought Johnny okay well um why did that happen and he was like well he um he took my Mountain Dew like out of my refrigerator and I was like <laughs> Mountain did you say that was Mountain Dew? Did you, okay. From he took your Mountain Dew from the fridge and then you guys fought with your fists. So, okay. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> we have a lot of work to do. <laughs> what, what have I gotten myself into? It was crazy. But you know what I think about it? I was driving to these remote locations in the middle of nowhere with no service in this little Jetta of mine. And it was so dangerous. Now that I think about it, I would go out there when it's like winter and to, it was weird because in the moment, like I didn't, I was fearful, not fearful of what am I doing? But kind of like you mentioned before is like, how did you have the courage to go out and serve other companies? And I, there was always, there was always, yeah. Um, reservations just that I had about myself, but when I would get in front of people and when I realized this wasn't the Apollonia shell, it never was. When I realized that it was always about them and how do I improve their lives? How do I improve this company's culture? How do I, how do I pull that out of them is when the pressure came off. I was so afraid starting my career in safety because I'm like, how am I going to know all the answers? You never are. Yeah. <laughs> That's the great part about it. Yeah. I was like, and then it just, everything shifted in my life when I realized it was all about them. It had nothing to do with me. So, yeah. Well, that's a, I mean, that's, that's a great story. It's a great journey to where you're at now. So, I mean, now I'd imagine your gangbusters going all over the place, doing the things that you're doing. So I, I see that you're doing some stuff and consulting, but then all of a sudden you go in let's say October of 18, give or take, Yeah, you, uh, you get the, you, you get the courage, you get the knock and all of a sudden the Apollonia Rockwell show comes yep. about for the first time. Yes. But yeah, what, what, what are you visioning at the time where you say, Hey, I have a message that needs to be shared. How do you come up with this? I think um, what's what I, initially was going through my mind was I'm very in tune, or at least I try to be (laughs) with social media and marketing and what is the best strategy to get, um, to get a message across and how do you start building a community? What does that even mean? What does it look like? And what I realized even before podcasting is even just getting the business started is I realized people aren't doing in my town, in my area, People weren't you safety companies weren't utilizing social media. So before the podcast, I realized there are no social media posts. There is no social media footprint from the other safety consultants or the safety companies around me. So I remember being like, I'm gonna be the first. I'm gonna get my message out there. I'm gonna let them know that we do training, but we do it different. 
and we do consulting, but we do it different. And so then when podcasting came along and I just started listening to my own personal development podcast, I thought we need to jump on this now because if I can pull stories, like going back, I guess, to the story theme is if I can pull out messages, maybe they're not safety messages. Maybe they're just from other business owners or from other leaders within organizations. Because what I realized is that not only is it about, it is it all about people, it's not so much about regulations, but I've been, I got fascinated with culture because I realized there isn't a safety culture. I don't even know what that means. I talk about safety culture, but what I really mean and what I really understood is it just is culture. A company has a culture. What is that culture? Why is that culture the way it is? And depending on what that culture is like is, is going to be what the safety program is. Like it, it all is together is what my realization was. And so once I realized that, then I was like, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to interview people who have helped shift their companies and help take their organizations to the next level. When it came to culture, that's who I want to talk to. So you start getting into it. You do some podcasts. It goes from October, give or take of 18, mm-hmm. but then come about June of 19, there's a pause. Yes. What's going on during the time? Are you, are, are you having hesitations about it? What are you thinking? Because it, it's an extended break before you come back around. Yes. We're almost, ta- we're talking November of 20. Yes. Before you, 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 do you like all this research we did on you? Uh, I, but that, I, mean, <laughs> I love it because it paints such a great picture. So what happened was I got pregnant. <laughs> well, that could, that's a life-changing event. We can understand why you would uh, get away from the, from the mic for a little bit. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you know, I think maybe... Maybe so, maybe not. Maybe the girls can relate to this, but for the the longest time, like starting the podcast, I just was so, I'll just be, you know, I'll be vulnerable and honest. I was so consumed with what I looked like on film, like, because we're doing the podcast, but we were filming it to put on YouTube. And I was just like, I hate the way I look. Like, not only do I hate the way I sound, but I hate the way I look. I, do, I hate, like, my hair looked bad. And then then I got pregnant and I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is a life-changing deal. This is crazy to deal with. You know, all the mamas can relate. Like, just those that first pregnancy, you don't really know what to expect. And then I'm running a business and uh, a small team at that time, maybe at that time, maybe 12 team members. Um, but just kind of, oh, sorry, you might hear a train. Oh, you're good. You're good. But, uh, just navigating through life on what it's like to lead a team and to be pregnant. And then those initial months of having a baby. And Mm -hmm. actually right now I'm five months pregnant with my second and, um, no end in sight with the podcast this time around. So I feel like I kind of know what I'm doing just a little bit more. Well, you're, and you're, and you're, but you're doing video. You're still doing videos. And if you don't take it the wrong way, I think you look great. I mean, uh, uh, my wife was pregnant. She was fine with doing the stuff that she was doing. I think it's such a beautiful aspect when women are pregnant, um, mm-hmm. going through the whole process and just letting, letting themselves be. So I'm glad that you can decide to continue to move yeah. forward with this during your segment pregnancy. Yeah, no, thank you. I think that, yeah, I think that I, um, I realized just exactly what you said is that this is, 
you know, it's, it's just life. And, you know, to share this experience with the audience and let people know the real struggles of parenthood and that's motherhood and fatherhood. And there's a lot there. It's not just on the mom, there's a lot that everyone goes through. It takes a village. And so right now to this date, I have a year and a half year old and, and I do right now, uh, in October. So yeah, exciting times. (laughs) Exciting times. So as things are going through, your business continues to grow, you're doing the podcasting. Are you doing any virtual classes for people or are they normal? Are you having anything open for the public or is it only mostly for people like companies or how do you normally do your setup? If you don't mind me asking. Absolutely. So before COVID, Oh my gosh, we could talk all day about that. Before COVID, mainly everything was in person, but let's see, a year before COVID really hit, I knew that we needed to have online OSHA classes, OSHA awareness classes, safety classes. So we launched TSU, which is True Safety University. So I had went and I filmed and produced our initial 12 or 15 OSHA classes So those were all produced at a studio. And then the goal was to add to that library, which we recently did. We now have um, around 100 courses. um, Did you just say add or kind of recreate almost everything? Oh, my God. If you start off with 16, you're at 100. You you made it sound like it was a little work. That was a lot of work. COVID, yeah. COVID, COVID, but it was all worth it and necessary. But so we had our our online OSHA class platform. Then we did in-person courses. COVID hit. We moved all of our classes, obviously, virtually. And I think as you could probably experience, you could probably speak to as well is that our world shifted on how we do safety. And so that includes well, just the education world, right? And so we did safe land, first aid, HVAC, actually not first aid. It, it took American Red Cross a little bit longer to figure out the in-person portion, mm-hmm. but we did safe land, H2S, um, everything else was, was virtual. And right now to this day, we are doing, um, we're doing both. We're still offering in-person classes, but we're also doing virtual, um, depending what the customer needs and depending on the class size, you know, we're still very restricted and, um, and we're just, we're just playing it safe right now. So are you, are you willing to travel the country or are you limited to the Colorado area or how do you go about with your business? Right now. What for the non-virtual, of course. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we have team. So we have a team member in Texas, and we're looking at adding a team member in New Mexico. And we're primarily here out of Colorado. So right now, we're we haven't traveled specifically for any classes. Those would have all been virtual. It's really really cool. Our safe line classes that we offer on a weekly basis. We're getting people from all over the place, all over, and that's been exciting. The East Coast, all over. So it's been great. And we hope to see that. We hope to continue to do more virtual and to um, expand our audience that way. But we know we have amazing training. We know our instructors are incredible. We have a we have a twist on our classes, and uh, we're very passionate about education and how people leave differently from our classes. So, um, so it's exciting for us to be able to touch lives all over the place. 
So with you being this in this for quite a period of time, what do you think still currently some safety people in some organizations have as the biggest misconception about the world of safety? That it's a people game. That this all is a people game. And life is a people game. And if we don't care more about the person than we do the regulations, then that should probably be a should probably self-reflect right there, kind of understand, all right, how are we leading? Are we more, are we regulation leading or are we people leading? Because regulations, OSHA regulations, safety regulations aren't incredibly important. I think both of us agree on that. And they're a, they're a guiding force, but they're also, a, they're the fundamentals you know, OSHA's regulations are just the basics. And so when you can lead and inspire and impact a culture within an organization of accountability, of being your brother's keeper, or looking out for the person next to you, and you really genuinely care about the person next to you, and yet you're getting to know them, then that's going to be more of an impact than being the most knowledgeable person in the room from OSHA regulations. That's how I I totally agree with what you said right there. You were so spot on. Yeah. Apollonia, if people want to know more about you and what you have going on, where can they find out more information? Apollonia Rockwell. Surprisingly, nobody has that username <laughs> on any platform. I have to tell you, that is such a stage name. You fall into this 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 whole thing. I have a, I have a very dear friend of mine that his name is Sheldon Primus, and I, he swears that his name is not made up. And I'm like, it's made up. So but when I heard, Sheldon. When, so when I read your when I read your name the first time, I was like, that's like a that has to be like a specialty safety name that you came up with. But if you <laughs> if you're rocking it as your own, steal it and go with it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, it was Apollonia Hanson before I was married, and then I got Apollonia Rockwell. So um, perfect yeah. name, perfect works perfectly. I like safety presented by. There you go. There we go. Any platform, um, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, all of it is Apollonia Rockwell. So that works out very well. Well, Apollonia, I really do appreciate you coming on to the show today. Yes, thank you so much. It was awesome to be here. I hope to continue the conversation. SafetyFM.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.